the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. I am sitting in studio surrounded by freshly baked cookies. And I'm almost certain that Clark orchestrated this whole thing. Who put them here? Wow, I'm supposed to be a mature woman. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. This is going to be very difficult. I'm going to take just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to move these cookies. They are right in front of me. They're big. They're still slightly warm. They're soft. Oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) Clark has now come into the studio Mm. to take a cookie to eat it in front of me. Very good. Yeah, you don't don't eat the cookie in front of the chubby girl behind the mic. Get out, please. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. It happens to be the day in which we take a look at the lighter side of the news, and we will most assuredly do just that. Okay, I have to confess, I actually had a cookie earlier. I did eat one. No, I only ate one. This is your second, Clark? How many have you had? Oh, my goodness. Well, he's a thin man. Uh, In any event, I want to be honest, I did have a cookie, but when I came uh, in the studio, someone had moved two bowls of cookies, and they're... They're really good cookies. Gloria Hahn, who uses the studio before this program begins, always brings cookies. And on a Friday at this time of the day, there are very few people who are still here. So for those of us who are in programming uh, on long broadcast row here, um, they're just like several dozen cookies just sitting here. They smell good. They're soft. They're chewy. They're I need to stop thinking about it because then I'm going to give in. And I am mature and self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit. In any event, today is Fun Friday. Before we get to that, however, I do want to take just a few moments to uh, take a look at some of the more serious headlines that you want to know about as you're making your way into the weekend. So bear with me for that. And then uh, James Blinn will join me in studio and we'll have a bit of fun. Well, U.S. Attorney John Durham's probe into the origins of the Russia investigation has become a criminal inquiry. Two sources have said and an upcoming report on alleged FBI surveillance abuses against the Trump campaign will shed light on why, one source says. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz said Thursday his report would be available to the public soon with few redactions. The investigation's new status means Durham can subpoena witnesses, file charges and impanel fact-finding grand juries. It's been reported uh, that on Tuesday, Durham's probe had expanded significantly based on new evidence uncovered during a recent trip to Rome with the Attorney General William Barr. And top Republicans have demanded that Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson explain why the watchdog hasn't said if it's investigating a number of leaks of highly sensitive information in recent years and released several previously unpublished texts and emails from since-fired FBI agent Peter Strzok. Senate Homeland Security Committee Chairman Ron Johnson and Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley specifically asked Atkinson why Strzok texted uh, Bureau colleague Lisa Page the following December 
15th of 2016. Think our sisters have begun leaking like mad, scorned and worried and political. They're kicking into overdrive, end quote. I have no idea. Anyway, what uh, what are they worried about and what are they kicking into overdrive about? Johnson and Grassley wrote, who are these sisters and what does it mean to say that the sisters have been leaking like mad? In addition, the senators pushed to know whether the ICIG... Uh, was looking into struck emails to uh, FBI colleagues in April of 2017 when he wrote that an unidentified agency might be the source of some of the leaks to the media that he'd been seeing. Well, the Trump 2020 campaign late Thursday night responded in a tweet to Joe Biden's upcoming 60 Minutes interview in which the former vice president is critical of President Trump. Imagine that for allowing his daughter Ivanka and son-in-law Jared Kushner to work in important positions from within the White House. Biden told CBS in a report that will air on Sunday night that he wasn't um, tuned into uh, going after the children, but said it was a wrong decision by Trump to tap family members for positions that they knew nothing about. Ivanka is listed as an advisor and her husband is listed as a senior advisor to the president. The Trump campaign responded and said Biden is right about one thing. Hunter Biden would never have an office in the White House because he's proven that his only qualification is being the son of Joe Biden. Oh, the back and forth is so tiresome. I just long for, um, regardless of the content, I, I long for adult conversation in which people make the decision to be respectful to one another as they discuss their disagreements and differences, but perhaps that will be another era. In other news, Democratic presidential candidate Representative Tulsi Gabbard announced early Friday Eastern time that she will not seek re-election to Congress in 2020 so that she can focus on her bid for the White House. I will not be seeking re-election to Congress in 2020 and humbly ask you for your support for my candidacy for president of the United States, she said in a video posted online. The decision to not seek a fifth term representing Hawaii's second congressional district makes way for a competitive race for her seat, Hawaii News Now reported. Gabbard launched her presidential campaign in January. She's been in a war of words with Hillary Clinton after the former Secretary of State suggested in an interview last week that Russia's um, Russians are grooming Gabbard to be a third-party candidate in the 2020 presidential election. Attorneys representing Representative Katie Hill on Thursday sent a cease and desist letter to the Daily Mail demanding the British tabloid remove from its website photos of her being well, her undress that it claims depict the freshman congresswoman and that Hill claims were published without her consent, according to reports. Lawyers Mark Elias and uh, Rachel uh, Jacobs of the firm Perkins Coy wrote to Daily Mail executive uh, editor Candace Trunzo on behalf of uh, the representative threatening swift legal action if the photos, one of which purportedly shows her undressed, were not immediately taken down. Daily Mail published a series of photos on Thursday, which the newspaper claimed Jode Hill and a female former campaign staffer. The story comes after website redstate.com reported last week that Hill, who is openly bisexual, had developed a long-term relationship with the unnamed staffer who ultimately entered into a, well, a relationship I'm not going to describe. She has since filed for divorce. In an appearance on Hannity, Mark Levin, host of Life, Liberty and Levin, observes that... um, 
Well, I won't even bother with that either. Well, FBI agents manipulated Michael Flynn's file, as uh, James Clapper alleged, urged kill shot. Uh, court filing suggests all of this part of the deep state shenanigans. And Democratic presidential hopeful uh, Gabbard announced that she will not seek reelection, leaving that seat open. Joe Biden twice used his position as senator to intervene to boost Sun Hunter's lobbying, according to the Washington Examiner. And another House Democrat is under investigation for allegedly uh, engaged in uh, conduct unbecoming. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos held a contempt uh, for violating a judge's order on student loan collections. And a judge in Texas has ruled that parents must make a joint decision in gender transition case involving their seven-year-old son. More on that in a few moments. China has given in on key U.S. trade war demands regarding intellectual property rights. And British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is calling for elections after Brexit the Brexit fail. The U.S. has a plan to send tanks and troops to secure Syrian oil fields amid the withdrawal announced just days earlier. More news when we return in just a few moments, and then we'll switch to the lighter side of the news. So do stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. It is Fun Friday, but we're taking a look at some of the headline news of the day. Well, confidence in the Supreme Court is apparently growing. That's quite a feat, considering the vitriol, the media, and those on the uh, opposing side of the most recent nominee have expressed in recent months from the story in... um, uh, in the news, Gallup has the approval rate, rating of the Supreme Court up by 12 points from 42 to 54 percent since the addition of Justice Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Annenberg shows that 68 percent of Americans have a great deal or a fair amount of trust in the court. Its poll in 2013 had 58 percent choosing one of those options. And Kanye West admits that he had an addiction to pornography that began at age five. He explained that Playboy was my gateway into full-on pornography addiction. Uh, Lila Rose, in response, right, I remember hearing Conway joke about uh, his addiction in his marriage with Kim on a late-night show last year and thinking how sad it was and how harmful this addiction is. I'm amazed to see uh, Conway beginning to publicly share his personal transformation because of his new commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Keep that family in your prayers. On this day in history, 1917, the Bolsheviks under Vladimir Ilyich Lenin seize power in Russia. On this day in 1954, a U.S. cabinet meeting is televised for the first time. I guess we're better off for it. I'm not entirely sure. On this day in 1955, the microwave oven for home use is introduced by Tappan Company. I'm celebrating. On this day in 1962, John Steinbeck is awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. On this day in 1964, Minnesota Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall recovers a fumble and runs 66 yards the wrong way into his own end zone for a safety. Despite the gaffe, the Vikings defeat San Francisco 49ers 27-22. And on this day in history, 1971, the United Nations recognizes the Communist People's Republic of China and expels the nationalist Chinese government of Taiwan. Finally, on this day in 1983, U.S. troops and soldiers from six Caribbean nations invade Grenada to restore order and provide protection to U.S. citizens after a recent coup within Grenada's communist pro-Cuban 
government. One of the religious liberty cases the Supreme Court justices won't be hearing this term is the issue of a Maryland high school student, Callie Wood, who refused to take part in a school assignment to write an Islamic conversion prayer that states there is no God but Allah, because she believed it directly contradicted her Christian faith. The high court denied a petition filed on behalf of the 11th grader, angering one conservative commentator who saw it as caving in to the indoctrination in schools and on college campuses. This is not just a violation of the First Amendment, but an ongoing, albeit subtle, diffusion of Islam into our Western society. Reverend Mario Alex Protello uh, wrote, Richard Thompson, president and chief counsel of Thomas More Law Center, which filed the petition on Wood's behalf, the 11th grader, said the schools are promoting Islam over Christianity or any other religion, and you have a double standard, which we think is a violation of the Establishment Clause. Thompson also said in the firm's press release, under the pretext of teaching history or social studies, public schools across America are promoting the religion of Islam in ways that would never be tolerated for Christianity or any other religion. Thompson uh, said that on top of getting an F in that class, Wood was also made to watch a pro-Islam PowerPoint presentation that denigrated her religion and basically said that Christians are not as faithful as Muslims. So we strongly believe that this was a violation. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in February that the assignment to write the Islamic conversion prayer did not violate the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Charles County Public Schools released a statement after the Supreme Court's denial saying the decision affirms or rather reaffirms a favorable U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, ruling earlier this year that the school did not impermissibly endorse any religion and did not compel Wood to profess any belief. One Muslim scholar strongly disagrees. The president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy said they made this the student uh, they made this the student recite this Islamic call to call of witness of prayer, which makes her a Muslim. That's absurd. So a difference of opinion outside of the Christian and Muslim faith faiths jasser said the high high court should have taken the case he said it uh, it would have been an opportunity to challenge the ideologies of a brand of islam that has produced isis and other terror groups the theoretic interpretations of islam are really what we need to defeat which is the establishment of the islamic leadership jasser went on to say and the establishment clause of america is really the nuclear way to defeat political islam Meanwhile, an inquiry uh, that Attorney General William Barr ordered into the origins of the probe into possible ties between the 2016 Trump campaign and Russia has now become a criminal investigation, according to sources familiar uh, with the uh, uh, with the case. The investigation being conducted by the U.S. attorney for Connecticut, John Durham, was launched as an effort by the uh, attorney general to answer unspecified questions uh, he had had about why the, the FBI began the counterintelligence investigation that eventually led to the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller. However, escalating Barr's inquiry from a management review to a criminal matter means current and former FBI, Justice Department or CIA officials could face the possibility of criminal charges arising from some aspect of their work on the Russian investigation. The designation of Durham's inquiry as a criminal investigation also vastly increases his power to gather information, opening up the possibility of grand jury subpoenas for records and testimony. The move is sure to please the president, who's long complained that he has been spied upon during the 2016 campaign, despite a lack of evidence to back up that claim. Trump has also accused the Obama administration and FBI officials of treason for their action in the Russia probe. I wanted to make sure we get this one story in here. 
A judge has ruled on the case involving the seven-year-old boy that his mother says wants to transition and whose father says that is not the case. Well, uh, parents, rather, will have joint conservatorship, which includes making joint medical decisions. Later in the story, uh, we're reminded that since kindergarten, Dr. Gregorius has enrolled James in school as a girl under the name Luna. She began telling him he's a girl when he was uh, just three and testified in court that she began to believe that when he liked a McDonald's toy meant for girls. James' pediatrician records also, records rather, also indicate uh, the doctor, who happens to be his mother, has met with um, geneticists, a medical uh, transition clinic in Dallas, and is considering hormone suppression when James is closer to eight or nine years Years old. Dr. Albert Moeller, in commenting on the case, says, now just remember that not long ago, just a couple of years ago, Dr. Paul McHugh, who after all, ironically, had been one of the first doctors to champion the transgender revolution there at Johns Hopkins University, where he was head of the appropriate surgery department, he later came back full circle to repudiate the entire ideology and to do so based upon his own medical as well as moral concern. He referred to this gender or sex reassignment surgery, for example, as it's called. It's just a matter of uh, mutilation, and perhaps most significantly for this case today, he pointed to the fact that the vast majority of individuals who ask children and adolescents indicate uh, indicated some kind of non-binary identity or gender confusion by their early 20s. They had the vast majority majority of them clearly settled on a gender identity that did indeed correspond to what's now called their sex assignment at birth. Um, Again, that case ongoing. Well, dozens of American soldiers have been identified so far from the 55 boxes of remains and artifacts sent back home from North Korea last year after an historic meeting between Hermit Kingdom leader Kim Jong-un and President Trump. According to the Defense Department, making an announcement earlier today, the boxes were handed over as part of an agreement between Trump and Kim following the June 2018 summit. Inside, Pentagon officials said they found several pairs of boots, two helmets, several canteen bottles, dozens of buttons, buckles, a bayonet handle and dog tag against other items or amongst other items. We are up to 41 Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Kenneth Hoffman told Stars and Stripes on Friday when asked how many sets of remains have been identified. One soldier whose identity was revealed this week is Army Corporal Lloyd Odom of Odessa, Missouri. The 19-year-old was reported missing in action on the 2nd of December 1950 during the Korean War's battle of the Hozan Reservoir, according to Stars and Stripes. He is now set to be buried at Arlington National Cemetery at an undetermined date. Two other soldiers recently identified were Corporal Charles Grubb of West Virginia, Sergeant James Ernest Smith of Kansas, Stars and Stripes reported. Army Master Sergeant Charles McDaniel, another soldier whose remains were returned, was identified after officials found his dog tags in the boxes. We can't speculate at this point about how many more soldiers may be identified. More than 7,800 Americans remain unaccounted for from the war, and the remains of more than 5,000 Americans are believed to be located in North Korea, according to officials. Hmm. 29 minutes after 4 o'clock is our time. As promised, on Fridays we take a look at the lighter side of the news and that is what we intend to do for the remainder of today's program. So we will uh, do that forthwith. So stay with us uh, for uh, that. Once again, just wanted to um, uh, mention and clarify that a judge ruled yesterday, last night, uh, that the 7-year-old child in Texas would remain under a joint managing conservatorship of both of his parents the father has been desperate in a battle to keep his boy from undergoing a gender transition championed by the biological male's mother. And uh, that uh, 
as it stands, that decision will be made jointly by the parents. Uh, and so he will not undergo any kind of um, uh, chemical or other alterations to his uh, his physical body at this point. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, the lighter side of the news when we return. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're now making the switch from the news to the lighter side of the news. Beginning with this story, this heartwarming story involving Felicity Huffman, who was sentenced to two weeks in jail in a luxury facility, a luxury lockup. She was released from prison today after serving 11 of those 14 days of her uh, sentence for her role in a national college admission scandal that exposed the rich and famous engaging in illegal schemes to cheat on standardized tests and buy their kids into some of the nation's top schools. She couldn't even serve the whole two weeks. Really? Now, if I were caught doing anything, I'm sure they'd throw the book at me, but she served 11 of the 14 days. Now, my understanding is she wasn't singled out because of her celebrity. It's not uncommon for someone who would be released on a weekend to be released early. Now, she was released today. So 14 days, that means she still had three days. So that would be Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Why they didn't release her on Monday is not clear to me. Uh, But she um, was breaking rocks for 11 days and has now been released from the maximum security luxury lockup. That's, you know, the the things that people have to go through. The sad, sad things. Yeah. I mean, does she officially have a record now? I would think so. Hmm. Unless that was part of the plea deal. She pled guilty in May of accepting um, responsibility for her part in a high-profile college admissions scandal that demonstrated the lengths to which wealthy parents will go in order to secure their kids a spot at college, the college of their choice. Uh, She pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit mail fraud, honest services mail fraud earlier this year. She confessed to paying an admissions consultant $15,000 to have a, a uh, Proctor correct her younger daughter's uh, answers on the SAT school, uh, test. She considered the same for her younger daughter, but decided against it. 11 days. I mean, there was some community service, and I think she had to pay a fine as well. Yeah, I know there was, it was like quite a bit of community service, but uh, it'll be interesting. The, 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 I guess the next celeb is almost about to uh, yeah. head, head to her trial. And there are some new charges that have been filed against yeah, some I of saw these. That. Well. Yeah, I saw that. 250 hours of community service. And $30,000 in fines. Now, how they define community service, I'd be very interested in uh, what constitutes community service. I mean, if she did, um, you know, summer stock theater, would that be considered community service? If I've seen some very questionable interpretations yes. over the years of community service dished out in the Hollywood community. Yeah, I have too. So it kind of makes you wonder. Spend eight hours signing autographs for underprivileged kids. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, have you seen uh, Clark Hilton, our engineer? He recently purchased a new lunch bag. Now, when what when you say <laughs> lunch bag, certain images come to mind of a small container. Maybe it's um, insulated that you might put a sandwich in, and you might put you know something of fruit, maybe a salad, just a small container to, to put your your lunch in. However, what Clark got and has stuffed into, I mean, it doesn't even fit on the shelf in the refrigerator without tilting up the shelf in in the top. He shoved that thing into the refrigerator so that I think only two other people can fit any food they might have 
into the refrigerator. Oh, it's worse. Oh, Clark, for, I'm sorry. Were you were you hearing what were you going to say? I was say it's worse for me because every time he shoves it in there, he pushes my creamer that I use in my tea <laughs> to the very back. So I have to take his stupid bag out just to get my creamer, so put it back in. So you're the one that forgot to put it back in the uh, refrigerator yesterday then because it was sitting out. Actually, it was in the door yesterday, but the other couple days, yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, you could use that for a no, carry-on I, I bag think somebody, on an airline. I think somebody ejected that on purpose, Clark. I don't think that was me forgetting to put it back well, in. Well, it takes up two-thirds of the refrigerator. What were you thinking? I don't think he was. <laughs> Clark? It's hard to find a lunch bag. My dad, it's hard to find one that well, big. I found one. I found them that were smaller, and they're all for women. They have floral prints on them, and I wasn't going to get one of those. So. You had a pink cell phone for five years, and suddenly <laughs> you don't want a floral lunchbox? Nope. <laughs> this thing is so huge. All you need is wheels on it, and you could literally take it on, on board a plane with you. You'd have to put it in that thing to make sure it fits the dimensions, because it might exceed what you're allowed to carry on to an airplane. But the thing is huge. Oh, that's not a carry-on allowed on some airlines. There's no way. (laughs) That is checked baggage right there. It's kind of the it's kind of the subject of the station right now because if you want to have lunch, you have to see whether or not not the subject of the station. If Clark brought his lunch bag, then you're out of luck. You're going to have to get some ice cubes and try to find either that or make sure that you get in before Clark. (laughs) The thing is ridiculous. (laughs) What do you bring for lunch? A whole a ham? Brisk- <laughs> yeah, a brisket? <laughs> yeah, a whole ham would fit in there, or a prime rib. <laughs> yeah, it would. That is the most well, I mean, it's almost November. He's probably hoping to stuff a turkey in there. <laughs> which brings me to my next subject, which is, I had a mod pizza in the box in the refrigerator. I put my name on it. I put the date on it. I returned for that box for my lunch to have that leftover pizza and it was gone. Don't either of you have anything to say? Oh, I'm not surprised. Somebody took my pizza and ate my pizza. Well, who it wasn't do- me. Who would Nor do would that? Nor would it be me. Who would take someone else's lunch out of the refrigerator that's clearly marked? There's not. There aren't two Georgines here. There's one. And took and ate my pizza. And there was. I only ate maybe two pieces out of that whole thing. So it was most of a pizza. Oh, it's amazing with those those mod type pizzas and the other chains that are like that. It's it, yeah, you know, they're pretty customized things because you know you're you're pretty personalized because there's no limit on the toppings. Um, long ago, I I d- d- decided that uh, in the grand scheme of not having uh, pizza vanish from there, that uh, that uh, I was going to always make sure that I put anchovies on mine. I'm not sure that would have made a difference, but it has made a difference for me. I have never had a pizza stolen. Oh, do you yeah. eat the anchovies? Yeah, oh, I like anchovies, but I, I, I like them in Caesar salad dressing. But I, 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 I like I have to be in the mood for them, Clark. I, I, it, it's not a standard topping for me, but in that particular situation, it's one of those. I know so few people actually like them that uh, that I'll get them. It discourages. It the discourages. Them. I like them. Nobody else does. My pizza's safe. Since we're on the subject um, of lunch boxes. No, most well, I wouldn't say lunch off of that. Most people lunch have duffels. an anchovy-sized lunch bag. He has uh, Jonah, the whale-sized lunch bag. I mean, the, the contrast is just striking. One of our coworkers actually took a picture of his lunch bag shoved into the refrigerator, and the shelf above it is at an angle because it was too tall okay. to actually comfortably fit the whole thing. Okay. It's just remarkable. I tend to think my pizza is in his lunch bag. I haven't looked, but it would, it fit. would fit. It would fit. Well, I, I think you've had several pizzas in that particular <laughs> lunch bag. 
Yeah, whatever. Look, I had to order the thing on Amazon. It came here. I didn't realize it was that big, and I decided I'm just going to deal with it. I'm this I'm close. I'm going to have to get an ice, an ice block to carry it around so I don't have to bother you guys in the refrigerator anymore. Well, you know, you every day you carry a backpack, and now you carry this gigantic They're about, the same, They're about size. the same size. They, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Anyway. <clears throat> Sorry, Clark. I'm glad to have amused you. <laughs> wow. Well, basically, you, you, you've amused us all yet again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for whoever took my pizza, really? A pox upon you. I would have you. loaned you money to go get your own lunch. I would have extend, I would have gone and gotten lunch for you. Well, you pretty much did that. Well, for myself, though, because somebody ate my pizza. I just cannot believe it. Who would do that? Would you ever go into the refrigerator and eat somebody's entree? One of my coworkers... Overnight, I think he was either in the morning or overnight or he came in on the weekend, and I had some uh, cheese sticks. What do you call those things? Mozzarella sticks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had several of them. He ate one of them. The first thing, the next day, he came in and told me, I ate one of your cheese sticks. He confessed that he'd eaten it, offered to replace it. It wasn't necessary, but I mean, okay, I, I get that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes Took I mean, my you know, pizza. You know, it it's, depends on when you're here. But I mean, there's you know, there are hours of the day that we we have staff here that there's nothing open. But you know, and you, can't you leave, leave a note. But you leave a note. That's they exactly know, what you do. They knew whose pizza it was. You leave a note. You offer to replace it or we, to we apologize. We have the technology. You can email I, a person. I just I and say I was starving last night. I left my lunch at home. Nothing was open. Uh, it was past when I could get Uber Eats or whatever. Um, so I ate your pizza. Oh, I don't, I don't do that. I know you don't, food. but I, but I'm saying a lot of people do. Yeah, I don't want somebody spitting in my food or drinking. I something personally or like spitting in my, my food. <laughs> okay, so you know, I think we need to go to a break. That, that's, that's probably for the best. I think so. Uh, anyway, um, I'm actually going to see if Clark will just start bringing my lunch because there's enough room for my lunch, your lunch, and if it was in his lunch bag. Then no one would probably take it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You can fit so much ice in that bag that he doesn't even need to be in the fridge. We could call it the Georgine Rice Show lunch. Um, what is the thing? In lunch all fairness, bag? when the great unrest comes, I'm prepared. <laughs> that's true. We'll all be running to you. <laughs> Mountain House packets and a Bunsen burner in there, you know, for about four weeks. Full set of dishes, silverware. Yeah. yeah. Where's uh, yeah. Clark? Last I saw, I was wandering off with his lunch pail. He'll be good for weeks. <laughs> You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, although you may regret it before it's all said and done. I James regret Bl- it. <laughs> James Blend is with me in studio. Clark Hilton, by the way, is engineering today's program, as he so often does. And putting up with a fair amount of abuse. Well, that's true, but I think that... That lunch thing merits a certain amount of abuse. It really does. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, you've crowded out half the station. Some of us are just huddling over our little feeble lunches, hoping that they survive because hey, there's just, no room in the refrigerator. <laughs> I move things around so that yes, you know, you it's did all too. possible. <laughs> yes, you did too. It's a good thing we did a fridge clean. Our, our amazing office manager, Janelle, did a, a full fridge clean about a month ago. Otherwise, Clark would be really out of luck. Yeah, probably. Anyway, moving on, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine believes that Pluto should, in fact, be a planet again. I mean, couldn't the scientific community just resolve the issue? It's a planet. It's not a planet. Decide and stick with it. He says, I'm here to tell you, as the NASA Administrator, administrator I believe Plato should be a planet. He said Pluto. to applause during... What did I say? Plato? Plato. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Pluto. I don't know about Plato. And the moon of Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he said <laughs> during a wide-ranging speech at the International Astronomical Congress in Washington, D.C. on Friday. Bridenstine later responded to a question on his Pluto stance by citing its um, buried ocean, its moon, and its uh, multi-layered atmosphere. I like I, um, like there being nine planets. How about that, he added. Well, Pluto... Uh, lost its planet status back in 2006. We talked about it then when it was uh, controversially demoted to a dwarf planet by the International Astronomical Union. This is not the first time that Bridenstine has voiced his desire to see Pluto become a planet again. You can write that the uh, NASA administrator declared Pluto a planet once again. I'm sticking by that. It's the way I learned it and I'm committed to it, he said during a recent speech at the University of Colorado. Well, the former Oklahoma congressman is not alone in his views on Pluto. A number of scientists also believe that the dwarf planet should be promoted to its former status. In a paper published in the journal Icarus last year, a group of researchers argued that the reason Pluto lost its uh, planet status is not valid. The IAU, the International Astronomical Union, they define a planet as a celestial body that has cleared the neighborhood around its orbit, which means that it must be the largest gravitational force in its orbit. Well, the definition of a planet should be based on its intrinsic properties. Philip Metzger, a planetary scientist at the University of Central Florida and lead author of the paper published in Icarus, as opposed to properties that can change, such as the dynamics of its orbit. So apparently it is not resolved. Pluto is still a dwarf planet, technically, but in the minds of many, it is and always will be a planet. What about Socrates? I have no idea. Okay. A black hole, I think. I don't know. The North Korean leader, who in the past has displayed his penchant for elaborate <coughs> propaganda photo shoots, channeled his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, this week. After newly released images show him riding horseback on a sacred mountain where it was said he was inspired to plan a great operation to overcome U.S.-led sanctions, according to local media. So there are pictures now of Kim Jong-un astride a valiant steed, although unlike um, Vladimir Putin, he's not uh, bare-chested. Uh, he is no, wearing, he's quite, quite well-clothed, <laughs> He's heavily <thankfully>. laden. <laughs> he's heavily laden on the back of the horse. And the, it, in fairness, it looks quite cold in these photos. Well, that's true. I mean, it's, but that it's wouldn't have... Mounted us with a lot of snow. That would not have daunted Vladimir no, Putin. No, would not have. I mean, in fact, that, he would have liked that even better. He uh, braved the icy winters of the Russian countryside. Well, the undated images released by the Korean Central News Agency on Wednesday showed Kim dressed in a long winter coat, riding a white steed on snow-covered Mount something, the highest point on the Korean Peninsula. Oh, it's it's something to see. The mountain itself is a sacred place for the North Korean people, but the white horse also represents a, pop- a propaganda symbol for the Kim dynasty. I mean, who would have thought otherwise? He, sitting on the horseback atop Mount, whatever it is, co- re- recollected with deep emotion the road of arduous struggle he covered for the great cause of building the most powerful country with faith and will as firm as Mount whatever it's called. Wow, that that's deep. That is really deep. And in fact, they show him uh, riding on the horse while it's running. Yeah, that's now the that I'm is at a, right that's now. a valiant shot. He looks terrified, <laughs> the horse and the man. <clears throat> the situation of the country is difficult owing to the ceaseless sanctions and pressure by the whole 
uh, hostile forces. And there are many hardships and trials facing us, Kim was quoted as saying. Of course, he's the primary reason for that. But our people grow stronger through the trials and found their own way of development and learned how to always win in the face of trials, end quote. Well, the local news also reported that the visit to Mount whatever it's called inspired the 35-year-old leader to plan a great operation in response to the tough sanctions. So this represents the start of a new great operation. Having witnessed the great moments of his thinking atop Mount whatever it is, all the officials accompanying him were convinced with overflowing emotion and joy that there will be a great operation to strike the world with wonder again and make a step forward in the Korean revolution. I mean, after all, how did that work out for Vladimir Putin? Shirtless behind uh, uh, enemy lines, shirtless on the back of a horse, shirtless shooting, shirtless wrestling. I mean, it just it changed everything for the Russian people. Well, U.S. diplomats met with the North Korean officials in Stockholm over the weekend, days after Pyongyang test-fired an underwater-launched missile. And while North Korea argued that talks between the two shut down, the State Department said the U.S. brought creative ideas and had good discussion. I mean, the, the portrait of him was probably somewhere in the room, and that inspired everyone. Kim previously visited the location uh, before executing his powerful uncle, in 2013 and entering into diplomacy with South Korea and the U.S. in 2018. The images that were released on uh, Wednesday were eerily similar to those of Vladimir Putin. He was pictured shirtless riding a horse in Siberia's southern Tuva region in 2009. This, the, these action photos that they have kind of look like a really bad Super Bowl commercial <laughs> for an adult beverage that would surely get an ad exec fired somewhere for poor taste. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that in the Western uh, dem- democracies and in our constitutional republic that our leaders don't feel compelled, although you never know what could happen. Donald Trump might find himself astride a steed of some sort in the midst of all of the controversy. But uh, it, it's nice to know that we don't have to see our leaders um, on the back of a horse with their shirts off. Thankfully, I'm not aware of any at Mar-a-Lago, so I think we're probably safe for now. Yeah, I mean, the revolution would most assuredly break out if that were the case. Ever feel like your smartphone is becoming an extension of yourself? Well, this newly developed phone case breaks down even more barriers between you and your phone with a lifelike skin, which allegedly Ew. responds to human contact such as pinching and tickling. It looks sort of like chicken skin of the Caucasian version. Well, uh, Mark Tyser and his colleagues of Telcom Paris in France have devised an artificial skin for technology devices that detects and interprets a variety of gestures. For example, slapping the case indicates anger. Pinching or pulling its skin indicates an upset user. If a user tickles the accessory, it releases a laughing emoji Onto the phone. I wanted to pinch my phone, the designer said, speaking to new scientists when asked why he designed such skin. It looks kind of like chicken skin, by the way. It's really rather unsavory looking. In a paper released on Saturday, researchers built on a long history of artificial skin in the field of robotics to harvest interactive properties of the skin that are significantly useful for human computer interaction. In essence, the researchers believe the phone skin could increase users' expressiveness. It looked like um, if you were to slice spam, yeah, it looks like a slice of spam. Now, if you Ooh. turn it over, you see the screen, but face down, it, it's just pretty disgusting. You can pinch it, you can tickle you know, it, you I, can. I, I'm thought I'm thinking of the words of the great philosopher of our time, Jeff Goldblum. 
<laughs> uh, from the movie Jurassic Park. Yeah. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Well, they should not have. Let me exactly. Just put it this way. My point exactly. Skin on. That's what it's called. Prototypes for smartphones, touchpads, and also a wristband for smartphones. Uh, skin on interfaces uh, provide natural physical affordances. Not sure what that means. Meaning users are more likely to explore the interface and discover new controls. I'm like, I guess to if throw it tears, you put a bandaid on it. I, I don't really know, but it's. Not very attractive. All right, we're going to take a break. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. Then we will continue to take a look at the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Ooh, cookie time. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. This happens to be, ladies and gentlemen, Friday. Translated on the Georgine Rice Show, it happens to be Fun Friday, which means James Blend is not wandering aimlessly throughout the office. He is now in studio with me, co-hosting the Friday Fun Show. I appreciate the opportunity to not wander aimlessly. Yes, I, I'm glad for you. Uh, got big plans for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the big plan for the weekend is on Sunday after church. We're taking my daughter to Disney on Ice. Oh, how fun. You guys didn't invite me. What's up, what's up with that? It was personal. It was entirely personal. Okay, well. It was purposely <laughs> exclusionary. Should we invite Georgie? No! That was the conversation. That's not what she would have said. Because That's I realize I am your, is it fourth favorite rice? Fourth favorite rice, yes. Let's see, there's Stan Rice. Stan Rice is number one. Number two is... Condoleezza rice. And three? Uh, chicken fried rice. So I'm just below chicken fried rice. But ahead of pork fried rice. Well, that's gratifying. Yeah. Thank you, James. Working together with you all these years has clearly meant a great deal to you. I've told you. I have told you. Down the road, whenever it shall be that you retire, you'll likely take the place of chicken fried rice. You'll, you'll, you'll take that step up. Wow. You'll be top three. Is that with or without soy sauce? I don't really like I don't like soy sauce on fried rice. Okay. I like it on the white rice because right? it adds a little extra. Now don't flavor, get all racial up in here. I am not trying to get all racial. <laughs> I am just saying there's a lack of flavor when you bleach the rice. Well, that's that could be true, but I'm and, not going to get all ethnic. But the, the fried rice has has some flavor to it, so it doesn't. All right, you know what adds some of that flavor? Do you want to know what adds some of that fried rice flavor? Okay, I'm ready for this. Soy sauce. Okay. I think we've probably covered that subject. Uh, and then some. <laughs> but there's this. So say you're a security guard. You're charged with securing a facility. It may be a department store. It may be a medical facility. It could be the Pentagon. Well, a man in Wisconsin who was a security guard, I'm going to put that in, in uh, quotes, had to call the police to help him last week because, well, he got bored. And so he found he that he couldn't. the police because he got bored. He got bored. And in his boredom. He took the restraints that were issued to him to be used in the event that he captured someone with nefarious motives trying to breach the security of the facility. He took said restraints and handcuffed himself to the building. And he found that he, <laughs> he left the keys at home. The word oops comes to mind. Yeah, somehow it seems like an understatement, but yeah. Well, the unidentified man was reportedly working at a Bath and Body Works. Uh, this is in Waukesha around 2 a.m. This was on Friday when he put the cuffs on for his own apparent amusement. Authorities said that he quickly had to call for police when he realized that he'd left the handcuffed keys at home. 
A police officer who responded to the scene at the store located roughly 22 miles southeast of Milwaukee used his own handcuffed keys to free the security guard. The officer said that after they helped free him, he did his um, he hid his cuffs from himself. This guy, he's really providing crack security so that he wouldn't be tempted to put them on again. He thought he might do it again. (laughs) He thought he might be tempted to do it again. So he hid the handcuffs from himself while on duty securing the facility, Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, you know what's going to happen the next night, right? He's going to come in with the keys. And can't find them. <laughs> yeah, and can't find the handcuffs. Exactly. Oh, by the way, it was reportedly not the first time the security guard handcuffed himself without having the key. He was a repeat offender, pardon the term. <laughs> uh, really? And he couldn't trust that he wouldn't do it again. Yeah. I feel like that was a Kevin James movie about 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, is it Paul Blart Mall Cop? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember seeing the ads for it on TV. <laughs> I never saw the actual movie itself, but it seems like maybe this, yeah, the, the similarities are just kind of popping in my he head. He may right? have been in the movie. We don't know his name, but it could very well be that very character. Could I don't be. know. So what do you do when you're sitting at your desk and well, you have a moment of boredom? Um, Don't have many of those. <laughs> Um, but if I do, I, I'd probably check my email or something like that to see what's going on. Or oh, I let's check see. A, I check a news website or something mm-hmm. semi-productive. I might, I might take a quick peek at the Facebook, but uh-huh. usually not much. Mm-hmm. And you're not checking the baseball scores? Most baseball games are on after I'm off for the day, so not really, no. Okay. Well, occasionally, <coughs> excuse me, occasionally I'll make my way back down the sales hall where there are always two containers of licorice, although yes, one of them's are. licorice and one of them's not. I, I don't know I don't what you call the red to go rope down stuff there for that, though. That's that's well, that's, that's true. That's just urge. That's true. Anyway, neither of us have handcuffed ourselves to our desks or no, that chained ourselves happened. to a that has not piece of happened. equipment. Anyway, here are a series of rather interesting and fanciful ideas to consider. Hong Kong might be heading for recession. After months of violent protests, but that hasn't stopped a single parking space changing hands for almost $1 million. How desperate are you to park your car? The mind-boggling sum paid to businessman Johnny Chung Xiong Yi highlights the gap in inequality that's helped fuel nearly five months of uh, protests. A million dollars for a parking space. Is that per hour, per day? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do not know, but that's... Um, I mean, is that a permanent ownership? I mean... It's a good question. Yeah. Regardless, a million dollars for it is pretty pretty big. I mean, unless you could spend it in a year from now for $2 million, it seems like a pretty unwise investment. And then here in France, the government there has issued a series of rules on the use of e-scooters whose exploding popularity has proved a headache for officials seeking to safely incorporate them into crowded urban landscapes. Speeds for e-scooters, as well as hoverboards, monowheels, and other motorized personal transport devices have become a problem there, as they've become a problem in other places around the globe as well. I mean, it seems to me the sidewalk should be for one speed. Nothing faster than a person jogging uh, could go. Scooters can go pretty fast. A lot of other things go pretty fast. And if you're a pedestrian, it's all you have left. On the street, you have bicycles and cars and motorcycles and trains and buses and planes, and you've got everything there. The sidewalk is the one bastion of safety for the, uh, for the pedestrian, and uh, the scooters are a problem 
well, everywhere. They really are. It's they they go fast. They they don't stop. Yeah. And because a lot of them are essentially rentals, um, they're not used by people who necessarily are well, a lot of finesse with them. It's not necessarily the experts that are typically out there with them. I, I've noticed that it's like almost like I hear you know, see someone walk up to it. So how do I work this thing? <laughs> and that's the person who's going to be on the sidewalk with you. Yeah. So it's kind of like it makes you want to cross the other side of the street going, let's stay away from them. Except that you're likely to be hit by a bicycle crossing. And on the other side, there's probably another scooter. Fair point. Yeah. So in other words, um, you know, you're going to be handcuffing yourself to a drone. That's combine some news stories. That there. could you know, be. That's, that's <laughs> that could be it. While they're delivering something from Amazon. Exactly. President Trump doesn't like what he reads, and two of America's biggest newspapers, the New York Times, well, understandable, and the Washington Post, so he won't be getting them any longer. This will be a significant cost saving to taxpayers, say the White House spokesperson Stephanie Grisham, because he has ordered all of the agencies of the United States government to end their subscription to the New York Times and the Washington Post. I guess the question I have here is, why are they using newspaper still? <laughs> That's why a are good they point. Not reading these things online, and it's nothing on these particular. I should. I feel like it should all be online. It's not like you need to be receiving any newspaper. Well, and it anymore. may be that their subscriptions are online, but nonetheless, they've, the president is putting an end to it. Wow. There you have it. Uh, let's see. Do I have time for one more, or do I need to take uh, a break? I think we should take a break. All right, I we're going to take I a break. I feel emotionally led to take a break. Okay, I will follow suit. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, in Singapore... There's a restaurant that's in a little bit of trouble. On Thursday, they suspended what was kind of a bizarre promotional stunt where customers can use the arcade-style machine with the mechanical claw, and they could catch a live crab. Um, It sparked an uproar online, as does virtually everything. I mean, if you want to live peacefully, don't post it online because you will find uh, opponents. But if successful, the people who are involved in this promotion, the customer could have the Sri Lankan crab cooked on the spot for free. So free of charge, you get the Sri Lankan crab, or you could choose to take the crab home. But it did not go well um, online because the claw would pick the thing up. I mean, it wouldn't injure it necessarily, but I guess it just seemed like it wasn't respectful enough of the crab who would eventually be lowered into a vat of boiling hot water. You know, I guess you know it kind of goes down to uh, what uh, mom and dad used to say when I was a kid: "Don't play with your food." Maybe that's it. Don't play with your food. Don't play with your food. The moral of the story. Well, the president has made building a barrier to stop migrants on the U.S.-Mexico border a central plank of his presidency. But on Wednesday, he took it even further. He came up with a puzzling new twist to the initiative: a wall in Colorado. Well, Colorado lies well within the United States, though its large southern neighbor, New Mexico, does in fact have sit along the border. But we're having a border wall in Colorado. Apparently, the folks in Albuquerque have really, really angered the people in Denver. Apparently, we so. did not know about this previously. Yeah, they probably posted something online, and that's how it all started. Yeah, th- things go down on the internet in the Kirky. <laughs> Well, rats are being trained to drive tiny cars, finding it relaxing, and finding food in the process. Well, sometimes life really can be a rat race. 
Scientists here in the United States, they've reported successfully training a group of rodents, because that's what they are, uh, to drive tiny cars. They're driving these tiny cars in exchange for bits of Fruit Loop cereal and found that learning the task lowered their stress levels. So if you were to transfer that to human patients by giving them Fruit Loops and putting them in cars, we might all just chill out. Now, I, I, it is making me think of, and this is many, many years prior to this, is uh, Oregon author Beverly Cleary, mm-hmm. many, many years ago, wrote a book called The Mouse and the Motorcycle, about a mouse who likes to ride a toy motorcycle. There are several books. They followed up. They, they, you know, they, there were more. Yeah, who that. knew? And now it's a science experiment. Apparently so. Uh, if they think it's an original idea, they need to go back on their childhood reading. But... <laughs> well, they may be sued. Who knows? Um, in any event, uh, Fruit Loops and a long drive might be just what you need to lower your stress. Well, people thought they were being bamboozled when a panda dog cafe sparked a China animal rights debate. A pet cafe in China where dogs are dyed black and white to look like, well, you guessed it, panda cubs. And they actually do look like panda cubs. Has triggered a heated online debate over the treatment of animals. The Cute Pet Games Cafe opened last month in Chengdu, capital of southwest Sichuan province, which is home to China's famous giant pandas and features, well, all kinds of pet-friendly fare. But among them, you can take your dog in, assuming it's the right kind of dog, and have the thing painted up to look just like an authentic panda. And they are called panda dogs. Debate on the Internet. Well, I mean, you know, do do they eat bamboo as well? I (laughs) I don't know if they're forced to eat bamboo, or if they shape the dog food into what looks like bamboo. That could be. That huh? could be bamboo-shaped dog food. Again. If that's not an idea. Let's, let's get on that. Bamboozled, I think is the... Uh, well, Chris the Sheep, we've talked about him a long, long time ago, famed for record-breaking fleece, has died. An Australian sheep that entered the Guinness World Records after being found with an enormously overgrown fleece has died. Its carers have announced Chris, the Merino sheep, made global headlines after being found wandering alone outside Australia's capital with masses of wool sagging from its very small body. But Chris has uh, gone on to his reward. Is there a reward for... I don't know. That's kind of a hairy situation. Yeah. Rest in furry pieces, Chris, the sheep. Well, it's bad. <laughs> Thank you, James. A Minnesota runner's bib turned out to be more prophetic than, well, he ever could have imagined. Tyler Moon, he's a 25-year-old General Mills customer operations specialist in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He entered a 10-mile race earlier this month with a faith-filled message that turned out to be true to his life. So before the race, my name was originally on the bib, Moon told uh, news sources. One day I got a thought. I thought it was from God and that it should be a profession of faith. So he changed it to Jesus saves. So that another runner or someone in the audience would see it, that Jesus saves us for eternity. And, you know, it'd be one way of spreading the word. Well, on race day, that was back on the 6th of October, it was a Sunday morning. He felt really good after eating breakfast, ready to run the race in his orange Wheaties t-shirt with his bib pinned to his shorts, or rather, yeah, to his shorts. Um, I'd been looking forward to this race for quite a while, he says. Well, a former college football player who has no history of heart trouble was also running eight-minute miles until the eighth mile. This is a 10-mile run. 
when he collapsed, cracking his head on the pavement, according to the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Thankfully, a runner named Jesus, or Jesse Bueno, a Lakeville registered nurse, anesthesiologist, was right behind him and quickly came to uh, save his life alongside another colleague and other medical professionals who performed chest compressions and assisted his breathing until the ambulance arrived. Well, Mr. Moon, still adjusting after going through cardiac arrest, a concussion, and broken bones in his face, said he was grateful. Thank you to everyone who helped me, and thanks to all the runners who stopped and saved my life, he said. I believe God placed all those people there at the right time and the right place for his glory. Well, Moon's heart, which he is set to give to Amy Green, his fiancée in January, is just fine. Not literally. I mean, he's not having his heart removed. Yeah, I was just saying, it sounded like he would have been a very living organ donor there. That would have been not good. Yeah, it doesn't quite work that way. No. Anyway, he said he's uh, he's now crumpled up bib, had a message that turned out to be, well, pretty fitting after what happened on that early morning, October Sunday. Uh, When I originally put Jesus saves, I was hoping that it would help people at the race and in Minneapolis, he said. I had no idea how far it would go and how it would impact the world. That's just something I never expected. But God's plans are always greater than anything that I could ever think of. Now he encourages everyone to help others just like he was helped, big or small, just to serve one another. So essentially, the headline would read, Jesus saves Jesus. Mr. Moon had the Jesus Saves bib, was uh, saved by another runner, a medical professional, whose name happened to be Jesus. What are the chances of that? Uh, Are you expecting me to actually work up those odds? (laughs) No. Okay, good. Please don't. Well, motorists in southwest England will need to pay special attention when driving through Dorset County next week, where officials are putting a 41-mile, mind you, 41-mile detour around a 65-foot stretch of construction work. 41 miles, 65 feet. The diversion will take drivers along several roads and into another county before heading back into Dorset County. Local residents have blasted the council's decision. It's just crazy, and there doesn't seem to be any logic to it, says one who runs a camping business near the closure. Well, the small section of road in... um, Godman Stone Dorset will be closed Monday through Friday while construction crews work on a new sewage system, according to the Telegraph. The Dorset County Council approved the massive diversion, calling it necessary as it has to be suitable for the type of traffic that would normally use the closed, the closed section. Well, the detour is estimated to take an hour to complete, the 41 miles, an hour. The um, closed portion of the road uh, would take just over two seconds to travel at 30 miles per hour, which is the speed limit there. The council acknowledged that most residents will ignore the lengthy detour and use smaller roads to get around the construction work. Anyone caught using the closed stretch of road will be fined $1,200. So you have to use a detour of one sort or another. But again, the city council, and this seems so, I don't know, this is what bureaucrats often do. They came up with a 41-mile detour around a 65-foot stretch of construction. It will take you an hour to take that detour. It would take you two seconds to drive through that stretch where the construction work is being done. You know, me having the, the faith in bureaucracy and what that I normally have, that strong, you know, life-affirming faith makes me wonder uh, which one of those council people have a business along that detour. <laughs> yeah, about 20 minutes into that 41-mile. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good question. 
Well, trends. We want to make sure that KPDQ listeners are up on all the important trends. When we come back, we'll tell you about the latest. It's a a trend now, but it's just what generally happens naturally and people have lived with for, well, generations. We'll be back to tell you more about it in just a few moments. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is with me in studio, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm putting my my, my guess on bad things. <laughs> for you, maybe, but it's a good thing for me. Okay. Uh, one upbeat online community is encouraging women of all ages to say goodbye to die and hooray for gray. They're trying to set a new trend. Established in 2016, the Gombre Group, that means, uh, you know, ombre is when one color sort of fades into another. They're calling themselves the Gombre Group. They describe themselves as a global movement of women who are embracing natural undyed hair. With a following of about 145,000 users on Instagram and over 17,000 on Facebook to date. Now, if you counted up, you know, the whole population of the world, that's a pretty small group. But nonetheless, what started off as a small Instagram community has turned into a lifestyle for women. Gombre is about so much more than hair, an official website details. We believe there are more important things in life than the beauty standards that women are so often told define our value. And we're finding liberation and empowerment to live fully and celebrate the complexities that make us beautiful in each season of our lives. Well, on Sunday, one 31-year-old woman shared her silver story of finding her first gray hair at age 11 and dyeing her hair dark for nearly a decade. Well, 11's pretty early. I was lacking the confidence to expose my true color until I turned 30. Just over a year ago, and I wish I had ditched my dye earlier, she said. I feel liberated for not having to hide my silver waves, plus tons of money and time saved, which I adore and make me look unique. Well, on the fifth, that's a good word for how we all look unique. On the 5th of uh, October, another 31-year-old woman revealed that her first stripe of white appeared almost immediately after her sister was diagnosed with cancer 10 years ago. The author explained that more grays appeared after her siblings tra- her sibling rather tragically passed away. Her mother and father battled serious health issues, and the author had a mastectomy, though the silver strand still horrified her. I spent a decade fighting them, pushing back at every bright, wiry hair with chemicals and grim determination. But one day, about nine months ago, I was done, she went on to say. Life has been showing me my priorities is not so uh, in not-so-gentle way, and I finally received the message. I no longer have time or patience to achieve an unexpected um, hair color, the writer declared. I've survived and thrived through so much worse than disappointing societal standards and expectations. Well, another Gombre group member recently revealed that her own journey to gray began when she left an unhappy marriage at age 50, lost 136 pounds, and was inspired to let her tresses grow gray. Today, she says she's never felt better. I feel authentic, more beautiful than I ever have in my life, and it reflects outward. I am happier inside my skin as uh, I've been freed and uh, see myself differently, the woman said. Well, there you have it. Gombre. You can find um, hashtag Gombre, hashtag gray hair movement if you're interested in more information. But uh, now you don't, as of yet, as far as I know, you don't have any gray hair. I mean, you could. No, I re- I mean, I've noticed one or two have over you? the well, years. Have you? Well, you've got a. And it's just recent years. But you've no, got for a the most girl. part, no. I, this, is, this is real. Yeah. Gombre. 
Well, there you have it. Well, the 11-year-old girl in Minnesota who surprised even her father when she bagged an impressive 12-point buck last week, wow, says it was her very first hunt. Making the feat even more impressive, it was um, her first time. Lily Mickelson took the buck down around dinner time on Friday night. Uh, she was out on a hunting trip with her father, and the pair reportedly waited two hours before spotting the animal. It was my first deer, my first time going out hunting uh, with me shooting, so I was just nervous that I'd miss or something. Uh, he didn't see the deer at first, her father. Um, so I had to point it out to him. Lily explained of spotting the deer. We were both shocked and we were trying to um, get a good aim. She fired on the buck, managed to hit it. Uh, she said, explained that she had to approach the buck and then apparently shoot it a couple more times uh, to make sure it didn't suffer. Meanwhile, her father told the news outlet uh, he was still in shock over the daughter's achievement, adding that he uh, couldn't have been any more proud. Father, daughter going hunting. They eat the meat, so, you know, if you're a meat eater, somebody has to do that for you. But this uh, 12-year-old on her first outing, that was a pretty impressive feat. That's uh, that, Yeah, that's a uh, impressive for any hunter. But, yeah. Yeah, first time out there. Yeah. I'm not opposed to hunting. I don't think I could ever do it. I've gone fishing, and if I actually catch the fish myself and I felt it move in my hands or something, for some reason I can't eat it. Now, that's ridiculous because if you're going to catch something, you need to eat it. But I, I'm not opposed to you know, things that were once alive and then become a meal. I just am not very good at cooking what I've caught. That's fair. Yeah. Well, a museum in Minnesota has found a way to get you to vote on what scares you the most. Turning its creepiest dolls loose, the History Center of Olmsted County in Rochester, they've posted uh, photos and videos of its terrifying miniatures on social media taking votes for the most nightmarish doll in the museum. Voting is set to continue through Thursday. Uh, part of the collection, I mean, you know, dolls, I don't know what makes them creepy, but dolls can be creepy, especially the older dolls where they... There are some really creepy dolls that have been marketed over the years. Yeah, yeah there really are. Especially older ones. They're I, not I'm designed kidding. to be creepy, but they become creepy over time. I, some of them, it's like, I can't imagine them ever not having been creepy, but, you know. How about this one? The That's creepy. Yeah. It's uh, an old-fashioned doll, you know, and it's very it's a lifelike. Doll, I believe. Yes, a porcelain doll with very fancy clothing, but the eyes apparently have rolled back into its head, and so there are no, there's no pupil in either eye. And this otherwise lovely doll looks, looks rather like it's staring creepy. directly into your soul. Some of the creepy dolls have movable eyelids. Uh, the museum's curator told Minnesota Public Radio that for a lot of the dolls, the freakiest are in the eyes or the absence of them. Some of the weird dolls have movable eyelids that snap open uh, when you lift the dolls up. The paint has chipped off the face of another contender, leaving it looking like a, uh, a mummy. Another says the dolls weren't intended to be frightening when they were made, but damages from use and the passage of time have turned them creepy. But I don't know why dolls and clowns can be some of the creepiest things uh, that you can see. Uh, clowns, you know, kind of depends on how the makeup is applied. Aren't you afraid of clowns? No, I'm not afraid of clowns. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Horses? You're afraid of Horse, horses? Horses, bees, and uh, uh, that's those are my main two. So you're not afraid of clowns? No, no. Um, I could sometimes be afraid of carnies, but not clowns. Oh, it's carnies. That's what you're afraid yeah, of. Yeah. And a carny can be a clown. I'm not talking about the makeup, yeah, but yeah. just in turn of conduct. <laughs> 
So you're not afraid of clowns? No, no. I'm, I'm not afraid of clowns. I don't always understand the humor of them, but I'm not afraid of them. Yeah, I'm not a big, big clown person. I, I wouldn't say I'm an aficionado or anything like that. Yeah. I'm not going to run screaming if one walked into the room right now. Speaking of dolls, all rise. The Honorable Judge Barbie has entered the courtroom. Well, the makers of the iconic doll announced the latest choice for their career of the year line, the Barbie Judge doll. Retailing at twelve ninety nine online, the Barbie Judge comes outfitted in a black robe and comes with a gavel and block to help her call the room to order and make important decisions. The verdict is in. The brand announced on Twitter uh, with over 200 careers since 1959. This year, Barbie takes the stand as a judge. The Barbie Judge doll encourages girls to learn more about making decisions to change the world for the better. Because, you know, when you're seven years old, you should be thinking about those kinds of serious things. Barbie Judge dolls inspire girls to imagine everything they can become, like protecting the rights of others, ruling on legal cases, the product description adds. In conjunction with the news, Mattel and Barbie announced that the brand is partnering with GoFundMe to further the efforts of its Barbie Dream Gap project, which aims to close the dream gap of the phenomenon uh, whereby young girls being, uh, begin doubting their own intelligence. And this is to help bolster uh, their self-confidence. Research shows that starting at age five, many girls develop self-limiting beliefs and begin to think they're not smart and capable. Uh, the brand wrote again, announcing the project last year, citing research from the New York University, University of Illinois, and Princeton. Uh, they stopped believing their gender can do or be anything. Now, it's hard to believe that uh, that's still the case, given the fact that girls are elevated so much these days. And I know that there's a gap with boys now who see themselves inferior to girls. So let's just be good to each other and affirm each other, whatever. I want bail of Ken. <laughs> that would be Dan Rice. I know. Now that's, retired. That's what I'm saying. Well, there you go. He is my favorite Rice after all. Yes, I know. So having a a, a a Dan Rice action figure? All right. Um, Dan and, Rice, and the Condoleezza Rice, chicken I, fried rice, and me. Then you. Wow. Then pork fried rice. So again, look at the, there's there's a silver lining on the cloud. Kind of hungry. I, I know. The other thing is, can you imagine if uh, Judge Barbie talked like Judge Judy? I can't imagine. That just that I, that idea kind of popped in my head, and I was like, I, I have to admit, that just humors me. <laughs> well, maybe they can uh, connect to the internet somehow and actually speak. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Stay with us. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Taking a look at what's coming up next week on the program. On Monday, we're going to talk with Jim and Alan Fadling. They're the authors of What Does Your Soul Love? Eight Questions That Reveal God's Work in You. That's coming up on Monday. The book is published by InterVarsity Press. We'll talk with June Hunt on Tuesday. She has a little booklet that's a growing series of them. This one titled Bullying bully no more. I had the opportunity to spend a few days with June Hunt at the Restored Hope Network conference that was in Minnesota just a few months ago. Um, just a really sweet woman. I really have come to uh, to love her. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that conversation and perhaps catching up with her just a bit. On Wednesday, we'll talk with Michael Barone. Now, to my knowledge, this is the third time we have scheduled this interview. The first time, I think he fell ill. The second time, I fell ill, and we're just hoping that 
coming up this Wednesday. Is that true? This is the third time? I think so. That's correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're hoping that this time around we'll actually have a conversation with one another. Michael Barone's the author of How America's Political Parties Change and How They Don't. The book is published by Encounter. We're looking forward to uh, actually connecting for that on Wednesday of next week. On Thursday, we're going to talk with Dr. David Beckwith. I love the world. It's the people I can't stand. Jonah's journey of brokenness and yours. So looking forward to that conversation. In the 15, nearly 16 years now that I've been producing the show, that may be one of my all-time favorite book titles. Oh, absolutely. Uh, In fact, when I first saw it, I was very curious uh, where is he going to go with this? I hadn't seen the subtitle yet, and it all made sense, of course, when you kept reading. But again, the title of that book, Dr. Beckwith's book, I Love the um, I love the World, It's the People I Can't Stand, Jonah's Journey of Brokenness and Yours. That's coming up on Thursday. And then on Friday, we're going to find ourselves right back here doing the exact same thing that we did today. You know what's mind-blowing if you think about it for next Friday? It will be the 1st of November. That's true. It will be next month. Merry Christmas. Very nearly. You know what really bothered me? I went, where was, where did I go? I went to a store. I went to Pier 1 and I I went to get something specific. I was looking for a wooden bowl. I walked in and it was all Christmas all the time. We haven't had Halloween. We haven't had All Saints Day. We haven't had Thanksgiving and it was all Christmas all the time. I mean, at least a few of the stores that we that break out Christmas in September and October would still have at least Halloween. Well, and they would have I'm not a, a fan section. of Halloween. At least it's yeah chronologically correct. I I could not believe it. The whole thing was Christmas. So I essentially made one beeline around the store and headed out because I'm just not ready to even think about. Anyway, if somebody was asking about a new Christmas album. Have you heard it yet? No, I don't listen for at least another month. Exactly. I wait till after Thanksgiving to yeah. consider at least the celebration of. Uh, I mean, I might if Christmas. it's one new, I might buy it, but I'm not listening to it till then. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. At least we can agree on something. That's that. That's a step in the right direction. It is. Well, Truett Foster McKeon. He's the eldest son of Christian hip hop artist Toby Mac. Died suddenly at his home in Franklin, Tennessee, on Wednesday. McKeenan was um, 21 years old. What a sad story. His dad was touring in Canada and found out while away what had happened. His son was in his home at the time of his death, and the cause of death at this point is not known. Of course, many of us have enjoyed Toby Mac's music, and some of us have enjoyed his son's music as well. He was a budding artist of his own. As I mentioned, the cause of death is not yet known. He was 21 years old. The Nashville Fire Department responded to a report of cardiac arrest, and the death is under investigation by the Metro Police there. Uh, When anyone 21 years old uh, dies suddenly, there's an investigation. Toby Mack, whose real name is Kevin McKeon, he posted about his son's death on Instagram on Thursday. He rushed home from his tour in Canada to be with his family. Truett Foster McKeon um, had joy that took the room when he entered. He was an Magnetic son and brother and friend, he wrote. He was by no means a cookie-cutter Christian, but give me a believer who fights to keep believing. Give me a broken man who recognizes his need for a Savior every time. That's who true it was and how he should be remembered. Well, McKeon was an aspiring musician who collaborated with his father multiple times over the years, rapping on uh, True Dog, The Return, in 2004. When he was only six... um, 
and most recently in 2015, so he and his father collaborated over the years. McKeon was also an artist in his own right. As an independent rapper, he performed under the name of Shy- names, I should say, of Shiloh and Moxie. Did you hear any of his uh, no, stuff? I never had, yeah, no. he uploaded his music to YouTube, so you can find it there if you're interested. And he developed a small following. One of the most viewed YouTube videos was um, via. I think place feast freestyle. It's PL period. I'm not sure what that stands for. Anyway, which showed him uh, rapping while he was riding a skateboard downhill. His latest single was uh, a breakup song. Uh, McKeon performed um, during a show at the factory in Nashville about a week before his death. It was his first live show. So again, he was hoping to to uh, build a uh, career for himself. Toby Mack, who has charted uh, 20 solo singles on Billboard's Christian Song Chart, texted his son after the performance, I wanted to tell you how proud I was of you last night, he wrote. This is when he performed in Tennessee. Your show was amazing, and I think you got it. Uh, you got the it factor, which is very important but unexplainable. Your joy is infectious, and you invite people into it. Well, his son replied, you have always believed in me. Make me feel like a superhero, writing to his father. Well, Toby Mac shared the final exchange on his Instagram page with his son, who died on Wednesday. He added, my wife and I um, want the world to know this. We don't follow God because... We have some sort of uh, we some sort of under the table deal with him. Like we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. Toby Mac added that God is the God of the hills and of the valleys. What a tremendous statement to make at that point where your grief is most acute. The artist spoke about his changing relationship with his son last year when he moved uh, to Los Angeles, went through some difficult experiences. He wrote, watching people you love go through hard times is tough, and I want people to know that they are not alone. Uh, Toby Mac wrote the song Scars for his son, if you're familiar with it, but among the lyrics he sings, you are not alone. Uh, We've all been there, so life is hard. Lift your head, lift your head to where your help comes from. But Toby Mack's uh, son, Truett Foster McKeon, dead at 21. Cause of death is still unknown. What a sad thing for any family. You know, many of us are familiar with Toby Mack because of his music and his longstanding Christian music career. So keep the uh, family in your prayers. He has quite a few kids. I think he has like five the the story that always sticks out in my head as far as what what kind of Toby is a family man mm-hmm. um, for years and years of course we have Fish Fest our sister station does and I'm the one that puts it together uh, for years I tried to get Toby to play Fish Fest and three four years in a row they said no and I finally said what do we have to do and they said basically you'll have to move the festival by at least a week I'm like what do you mean the weekend of your festival is the last week before his kids go back to school. Oh. And he refuses to leave Nashville that weekend. He wants to be with his family, and he will not take any offer for any amount of money to leave his kids. So I said, okay, let's move it. And he came that year. Wow. Well, that says a lot about him as a father. That was and important a man to of him. faith. Yeah, yeah. Well, he and his family are grieving now. I know there are other listeners who perhaps have had um, sad news delivered to them in the last few days as well. I, I learned that a friend of mine that... Uh, when we were young women of faith, we attended the same church. She passed away this week. It's just, you know, it is inevitable that, you know, it's appointed that every one of us will die unless Jesus comes before that happens. Uh, but we can pray for one another, comfort one another, and encourage one another. So just keep that in mind. All right. Once again, on Monday, we'll talk with Jim and Alan Fadling. What does your soul love? Eight questions that reveal God's work in you. That's coming up on Monday. I want to thank James Blend for producing today's program, Clark Hilton for engineering, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. 
Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.